Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. This is your host, Uncle Milkshake. The sequel cast is a podcast where I look at movies in a franchise one movie at a time, seeing how the franchises get better or worse as the series goes on. This episode is episode two. We are going to be covering Beverly Hills Cop 2. If you want to catch up on the first episode, which covered Beverly Hills Cop 1, or any of the episodes of the SequelCast podcast, visit our website at www.sequelcast.com. My special guest, uh, Jersey Jason, is not with us. We originally recorded an episode covering Beverly Hills Cop 2, but due to technical difficulties, I sound like a high-pitched predator, and I wouldn't want to unleash that audio on anyone. It sounds horrendous. So I'm recording a quick episode by myself. The next episode is going to cover Beverly Hills Cop 3, and Jersey Jason should be in tow as normal. Beverly Hills Cop 1 was a big success. It was the number one film of 1984. Now, three years later, Beverly Hills Cop 2 comes out in 1987, and it was the number three film of the year. The number two film of 1987 was Fatal Attraction, starring Michael Douglas and Glenn Close, and the number one film of 1987 was Three Men and a Baby, starring Steve Gutenberg and directed by Leonard Nimoy, also known as Star Trek's Spock. So Beverly Hills Cop 2 is a sequel that's not quite as good as the original, but was much better than how I remembered it. It's worth noting it's directed by Tony Scott, who is the younger brother of Ridley Scott, and Tony Scott did movies like Top Gun and Days of Thunder, and especially in the faraway shots of locations, they have a very pretty commercial look to them which is something Tony Scott specializes in, and it looks much flashier than the original Beverly Hills Cop. The movie as a whole blends action and comedy, but leads a bit more heavily towards action at the end than the original film, with some over-the-top moments we'll cover later when we get there. Beverly Hills Cop 2 was written by Larry Ferguson and Warren Skarin, but the story was worked on by Eddie Murphy and Robert D. Walks. And the story involves a mystery of ABC murders that happens. People are getting killed based on the letter of their last name. It starts off, you see someone with the last name of A getting held up at a bank and murdered. And it's murdered by Carla Fry, who is played by Bridget Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen looks great in this movie. She's tall, has really short blonde hair futuristic-looking sunglasses, doesn't have a lot of dialogue, and reminds me a bit of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator character. While Bridget Nielsen doesn't literally play a robot in this movie, she acts very much like the Terminator, not having a lot of dialogue and gunning people down. As I mentioned, it's the ABC murder, so when she gets to B, she attempts to take down Andrew Bogomil, who is played by Ronnie Cox. He was a lieutenant in the original Beverly Hills Cop, and now he's a captain... Ronnie Cox, you would recognize from movies like Total Recall or RoboCop. He's been in a lot of things, usually in bad guy roles, but he's a good guy in the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. And Bogomil is driving along and sees Bridget Nielsen in a car off the side of the road that's smoking. She needs help with getting her car fixed. So as Ronnie Cox investigates that, Carla Fry, played by Bridget Nielsen, shoots Bogomil in the back and drives off. Now, Bogomil isn't mortally wounded. He's still alive, but in very, very critical condition. And this is when Axel Foley, played by Eddie Murphy, of course, gets a call and gives him a reason 
to leave Detroit and head back to Beverly Hills to become a Beverly Hills cop once again. Now, with Bogomil out of the picture, the Beverly Hills Cop Police Department is a very different place. It has a manager called Harold Lutz, who screams at James Taggart, played by John Ashton, and Billy Rosewood, played by Judge Reinhold, yells at them constantly because they're trying to investigate the alphabet crimes. Billy Rosewood even gives a call into the FBI and is reprimanded for trying to overdo the work on the case. Even though you think calling the FBI on a big ABC murder bank high spree will be a smart thing to do, but Police Chief Lutz apparently disagrees. Now, one defining thing in the Beverly Hills Cop franchise is how Axel Foley walks in and acts like he owns the place or pretends like he's another character. And when he comes into the Beverly Hills Police Department to meet up with Taggart and Rosewood, they're chatting about the case, and Police Chief Lutz barges in and wants to know, well, who's this random black guy that ran into the police department? Are you trying to arrest him? What is he doing here? And Axel Foley pretends he is Johnny Wishbone, a Caribbean uh, fortune teller, sort of like the Madame Cleo character that was on TV in the mid-to-late 90s doing infomercials. And he manages to somehow convince the other police members in the department to leave him alone. However, Lutz is so upset that Taggart and Rosewood are working on this ABC murder case that he demotes them down to traffic duty. This pisses off Rosewood and Taggart, so they decide, well, we're just going to tag along with Axel Foley to solve this case by ourselves. In the sequel, it's interesting to note that John Taggart, he's the one with the uh, mustache, had a pretty big part in the original film. He was sort of the straight man to Billy Rosewood's gags, and similar to Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon with the I'm too old for this shit mentality. However, in Beverly Hills Cop, he's giving nothing to do. Instead, Billy Rosewood, the Judge Reithold character, is given way, way, way more to do. Almost really made a, a co-star on equal billing with Eddie Murphy in this movie. There's a scene where they go into his apartment, and it's a wonderful, kind of creepy, weird scene, because all that's inside of Billy Rosewood's apartment, he's this real chipper, up-and-at-him cop, are these plants. And he gives each of these plants names, he spritzes water on them, almost pets them as he does so. And yet... When Eddie Murphy walks in to use Rosewood's bathroom, he sees tons and tons of guns hanging on the inside door. And it's really weird, because although Rosewood used guns a few times at the end of Beverly Hills Cop 1, because he had to, he wasn't really a gun nut, but in the sequel, he's a full-fledged gun nut out of nowhere, and honestly looks sort of badass at the end, when he's wearing a long trench coat and holding a rifle in each hand, and shooting rocket launchers at trucks and stuff. It's a really weird departure for the character that doesn't exactly fit. It can be funny, but also seems kind of random. So as they investigate the case, they look in the Beverly Hills Police Department and find some casings from the bullets that shot Bogomil, and they trace them down to a 
Gun Club. And the Gun Club appears to be run by someone called Charles Kane, who is played by Dean Stockwell. The reason why they're investigating the gun club is the bullet used to shoot Bogomil wasn't a regular bullet. It was a really modified version. However, the plot certainly gets more complicated as things go on in the film. Because as they investigate more of these alphabet bandit cases, it turns out the real mastermind is not Charles Kane, the mustachioed Dean Stockwell, but it is Maxwell Dent, who is played by Jürgen Prochnow a German actor, and Maxwell Dent, even though he has oil fields in California and all this property, owns his own gun club, owns a strip club, he still finds it necessary to hire henchmen to kill people and rob lots and lots of money from banks and be involved in international weapons smuggling. Now, if you had all that money, why would you need to have more? It makes the villain much, much less effective than the villain from the first film. The villain from the first film was British and was slimy and faced off with Eddie Murphy and a few verbal confrontations. And here, they don't give the chief baddie, Maxwell Dent, much to do at all. One of the weirdest scenes on Beverly Hills Cop 2 was somehow, during the investigation, they all end up at the Playboy Mansion. And it was filmed actually at the Playboy Mansion and features a cameo by Hugh Hefner himself. However, even though it's at the Playboy Mansion, there's no nudity at all in the scene, just a lot of playmates in bikinis playing volleyball. It's just a scene with an excuse for TNA, which is fine, but why there's no nudity at the Playboy Mansion is something that mystifies me to this day. Because when they go here, they find out that Maxwell Dent is at a party at the Playboy Mansion, and... Axel Foley goes right up to him and screams really loudly so everyone can hear, this guy kills cops. As a result of this, as a result of this, Hugh Hefner tells everyone to leave the party, thanks him for their financial contributions to get into the party, but to please go home. And then we have a crazy chase with Rosewood and Axel Foley in a cement truck trying to chase down Maxwell Dent in his car. While doing so, they're being chased by the cops, and they knock over a lot of cop cars, causing one in particular to flip. This is a pretty amusing scene, because when that happens, Foley is surprised at Rosewood's aggression and says, You just knocked that cop's car over. And Rosewood says, Oh, don't worry, he was an asshole. It's a really humorous scene with Billy Rosewood, and makes a lot of sense, unlike all the somewhat random gun-toting scenes late, late in the movie. Up to this point in the case, Axel Foley thinks that Charles Kane, played by Dean Stockwell, is the head honcho, not necessarily Maxwell Dent, whom he confronted at the Playboy Mansion. But they go to a heist they learn about at a horse race, only to discover Charles Kane is dead. Police Chief Lutz arrives, sees that Kane is dead, but Lutz declares the ABC murders over and done with, and Eddie Murphy is very upset that he did not arrive at the crime scene in time. However, one thing they do, one thing they manage to do is find out that Maxwell Dent, the head honcho, who they figure out after seeing Charles Kane is dead, that he's the real head honcho, as an accountant, and they have a very funny scene with a cameo by Gilbert Gottfried as 
the accountant. After using computers to look up information, they deduce that the next location the bad guys are going to be at is at these oil fields owned by Maxwell Dent, which is where an international weapon smuggling handoff is going to happen. So they head to the oil field for the film's literally explosive finale. At the oil fields, Billy Rosewood pops open the trunk of his car to reveal a literal cadre of weapons. Shotguns, pistols, machine guns, almost anything you can imagine. They even stumble upon a truck of weapons that are going to be illegally smuggled into Colombia. Rosewood grabs a rocket launcher, launching it by accident, exploding one of the enemy trucks. This shootout is ridiculous and not nearly as exciting as the finale of Beverly Hills Cop 1, which involved a shootout between some thugs at the mansion, which was a set piece at the end of that film. That was a bit more realistic. Even though it was over the top, it was funny, and this one is a lot more like Rambo, with all the explosions and ridiculousness that happens. However, the final showdown in the movie starts out effectively, but fizzles to a close, as if they had to rush through while filming the ending or something. So in Beverly Hills Cop 2, after all this action stuff outside, Axel Foley is alone in a warehouse. It's very smoky and dark, and they have birds flying around. You can't quite see what's happening. And he's confronting Maxwell Dent, who happens to be in a car and tries to run Axel Foley over. As I saw this, I thought, wow, this could be the start of a tense, thrilling sequence. I've never really seen a car chase someone around in a tiny warehouse. That could be something different. But instead, Foley just shoots right through the windshield and kills Maxwell Dent, the head bad guy, in just one hit. It removes any tension. Although, immediately afterwards, you have Bridget Nielsen sneak up behind and shoot at Foley really quickly, which is a neat twist. However, again, this could be the start-up to a neat fight scene, but Taggart simply shoots Bridget Nielsen dead off-screen, and she crumples to the ground. It's like they set up a finale that's over in less than two minutes. It's extremely disappointing. I'm not really sure why they did things that way. At the end of the movie... Police Chief Lutz and the mayor of Beverly Hills see all the carnage that has happened, and Lutz immediately fires Rosewood and Taggart from the Beverly Hills Police Department. However, the mayor listens to the story from Bogomil, Axel Foley, Rosewood, and Taggart, and decides, well, these guys did the right thing regardless of what collateral damage they might have caused. So the mayor of Beverly Hills fires Lutz, which is a satisfying moment, because Lutz is nothing but a conniving little asshole. So that wraps up Beverly Hills Cop 2. If you like the first one, you'll like the second one. It has a bit more action. I don't think it's quite as funny as the original. And as Jersey Jason and I mentioned in the first episode covering the Beverly Hills Cop 1, it seems like there wasn't much for the character of Axel Foley to do that was new in these sequels compared to the original. The first film, it was a real fish-out-of-water scenario, Axel Foley starts off in Detroit and goes to Beverly Hills, where it's new and so different it's alien, but in the sequel, he goes to Beverly Hills again, and it's nothing new. It's just the same old... He's not in a new setting or anything. I thought it would have been cool if they would have done a sequel. Like, what if they did a Beverly Hills cop, where instead of Foley going to Beverly Hills, what if they had Taggart and Rosewood go to Detroit? I could open up a lot of humor situations and sort of reverse the fish-out-of-water thing. 
because Foley would know what was happening, but the Beverly Hills cops, Rosewood and Taggart, wouldn't. I mean, of course, they never made a film like that, but uh, I think that might have been a better idea than what they did with Beverly Hills Cop 2, and certainly what they did with Beverly Hills Cop 3. Join me next episode, in which I will cover Beverly Hills Cop 3, the so far final film in the franchise. Be sure to check out the website at www.sequelcast.com, and you can even subscribe to us now on iTunes. Just look for SequelCast in the iTunes music store search bar. It doesn't cost anything to subscribe. If you want to have feedback for the show, if you like it or hate it, or you're just blasé about it, leave comments on iTunes, or you can send me an email at sequelcast at gmail.com. This is Uncle Milkshake signing out. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Sequel Cast. Join us next episode for Beverly Hills Cop 3.